This is Podco Media Networks. Welcome to Citizen CEO. Today we're chatting with Gina Ramsey, founder and president of Pink Dog Digital, a full-service digital solutions agency. She's been involved in the digital media for over 23 years. Gina's super passionate about helping businesses to grow their digital footprint. She is a two-time recipient of the Maryland Top 100 Women Award, an Executive Management Award recipient, and most recently, a Women of Influence winner. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you got your start, how Pink Dog Digital came to be? Sure. So probably going to make people mad with the story, so I'll just go for it anyhow. (laughs) I had worked at a company previously for 14 years as their vice president. One day the owner of the company came in and made a decision that I found untenable and went home and lost my mind for a half a second. And once I sat down and started to think logically about who I knew and my personal branding and the things I had done to build that personal brand, I decided to start the company. So. The announcement that I could not live with came on July 6th and August 1st of last year, we opened our doors. Wow. So what were some of the things that you were most concerned about when you first decided to launch the company? Well, money was a huge concern. Could I make enough money to keep the lifestyle that I had grown accustomed to? Could I really do this? I'd never really thought about running a business before and who was I going to turn to for the help that I needed when I ran into the things that I didn't have the answers? Was I able to find the right people? And were we able to put out a quality product that got results for our customers? Because in Baltimore and hopefully in other places in the area, your reputation is everything. And if you promise something to someone and you don't deliver, good clients are going to go away quickly. So it was a whole lot to wrap my arms around all at one time. So while you were going through that process, did you have a mentor? Was there anyone that you were working with closely to help you sort of navigate this new landscape? Yeah, so that's one of my favorite stories is that when I made this announcement, most of the people in my space, and I call them my tribe, all said it's about time. They may have used a few curse words along with that statement. And you can read my first blog on my website to see exactly what that was. But I had so many people come out to try and help me. One of my friendly competitors did my branding for me. Two other girls that are in my space that have businesses identical to mine came out and said, this is what you should be billing. These are the things that you need. An attorney friend did all my contracts for me. None of these people asked for any money. None of these people expected a thing. They just wanted to help me. And the business piece of it, I got a phone call from a woman who I've known that runs some leadership conferences. And she invited me to come to their monthly roundtables. I, of course, had no money. And she said, I didn't ask you for money. Just come. We'll figure that out. And then she also connected me with a SCORE counselor through the Small Business Administration, and he was so, so helpful. It takes a village to raise a Gina. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It takes a village to raise a Gina. Do you still receive mentorship today? Are you still getting that level of guidance to help you through? I do. So I meet monthly with a Clark leadership, and 
a woman named Ann Sigmund, who's my spirit animal, and I want to be her when I grow up because she's been in technology since the beginning of it, and she's just brilliant. So I meet monthly with a group of women business owners, and we process through each other's issues. But it's interesting. I still meet with my competitors. We probably meet for drinks or coffee or co-working once a month to go through what's happening in our own individual businesses and just try and help each other through the process. And in that process, we've done white labeling for them. They've done white labeling for us. I'm really very fortunate. That's great. For some of our listeners out there who may be thinking about starting their own business, can you talk to us a little bit about what a day in the life of being president of your own company is like? Sure. It goes from smiling and happy to my hair's on fire, (laughs) and it can happen in a given second. You know, in a small business, and as the president of a small business, you are the accounting department, you are the HR department, you are the technology department. You handle whatever comes at you, and sometimes those are great and amazing things, and sometimes they are challenges. So I could have a server down, an employee sick, a client who's unhappy with something, to clients nominating us for awards for things, and employees nominating us for awards for things, and me getting text messages at 9 o'clock that say, thank you for what you do. It's a mixed bag. Every day is different. And I think that's what I love about it the most because I'm not just doing one thing anymore. I'm doing so much more. So you are known for building brands that bite, for developing innovative and creative digital strategies, regardless of the market. What have you seen in your experience, the the top three mistakes that small businesses make when it comes to branding or other digital strategies? And how do we help our listeners to avoid them? The number one thing that I hear is, oh, we'll just let an intern do our social media. And I made that mistake. <laughs> I think it's because people think about business social media the way they think about their personal social media. And they're two very, very different things. You have to think about what you want your brand to be recognized for out in the market. And you've got to write a digital strategy and content to support that. It's not recipes of the day and it's not fuzzy dog pictures. I mean, yeah, I put fuzzy dog pictures on Sunday on my website and on my social channels, but the rest of the week, it talks about what you need to do to get business through digital. You need to refine your message and deliver your message in a way that's going to resonate with your readers. The other mistake I make is people trying to do everything. I need to be on Facebook, I need to be on Twitter, I need to be on Instagram, I need to be on LinkedIn, I need to be on this and that and the other thing. You don't, depending on what your business model is, depending on what your voice is, depending on who your audience is, will dictate the social media channels that you need to be on and then do them really well. Don't do every one of them okay. Do one or two truly excellent pieces. And then the other thing is don't, put out garbage content that you've picked up off the internet from someone else. It needs to be original. It needs to be your work, your voice, your message. I love what you said about ensuring that you're utilizing the right platforms or social channels for your business. Are there any tips that you can offer to our listeners for how to determine which channels are best for them? Yeah, so I think a lot of it depends on Are you B2B or B2C? You're not 
going to get a ton of traction on Facebook if you build commercial buildings. You're not going to find that audience there. In fact, organic Facebook presence right now is about 1%. If you don't have somebody that's actively engaged with your page and with your brand on Facebook, you can post every single day and they're only going to see 1% if you're lucky in the non-paid space. If you're business to business, you should be all over LinkedIn. That should be your primary driver. LinkedIn corporate pages are okay. I don't love them. Your personal page is how you gain engagement. People buy from people they know, like, and trust. So you should be pushing content that's interesting and relevant to your connections through your pages. If you're a restaurant, if you're a bakery, you can get some traction on Facebook and Instagram, but I will tell you that putting advertising dollars behind that content is the single way to get guaranteed engagement. And then if you can continue that engagement, the organic will come. None of these platforms are going to make you a million dollars. They're going to get your message known to the people that you want to hear from you. And hopefully when they have a need for your product or service, they'll remember you or an ad will pop up in their feed just at the right time for that new lipstick and use the tools that are in the platforms to direct the traffic to the appropriate audiences. With respect to GovCon, I've noticed over the years that many government contractors don't value going beyond the basics in terms of their digital strategies. Can you talk a little bit about why you think that is? Why they don't deem it really relevant for their businesses? GovCon is such a a unique animal and very unique to this geography. There's so many businesses doing business only in the government space. And I don't think the government contractors that are looking for deaf interpreters are going to Facebook and looking that up. I don't think that's happening. I'm not even sure that that's happening on a website. What it is is a credibility mechanism. So whatever they put out there needs to reinforce their brand and their values so that if, hey, Kimberly looks like we're going to go ahead with her for her company, but let's go to her social channels to make sure she's not putting politics or religion or sex or any of the forbidden ones on her channels. That's, I think, why people don't get super engaged with it. I don't think they think they're going to get anything from it. And that's not to say you shouldn't be on it, but I don't know that I would do a huge deep dive thinking you're going to get business from it. It's going to reinforce your business. Does that make sense? That's an excellent point, actually. It's something that in our business with applied development, we struggled with understanding the value for a very long time, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. And you just kind of summed it up for me in 30 seconds or less. I totally understand how government contracting officer going to doing some research on applied development might come across all of our social channels, see all of the content, the original content that we're producing around our areas of capability and then have increased confidence of our ability to deliver. So that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. I mean, you're not going to advertise your services on Facebook. That would be a waste of time. Right. Just reinforcing the message. Sometimes I tell my clients, if they've got good senses of humor, think about it if you were dating somebody. The first thing you're going to do is go and Google them and look at their social channels to see what they're really, really like. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to make a decision about going out on that date with them. Right. And I have heard 
And many of the conferences that I've been to, I've heard contracting officers in particular say that they do their homework. They'll go to your LinkedIn, to your webpage. Some even said that they would go to your Facebook. But I think that I just never made the connection that you are creating confidence there. You are creating credibility by engaging that way. That's really helpful. Thank you for that. Many thanks to Gina for sharing her journey in entrepreneurship and providing some solid advice for developing a simple, cost-effective digital strategy. I hope you'll join us next week to learn more about Gina's journey, when we'll reflect on her first year as a business owner, lessons learned throughout the year, and her love of the millennial workforce. Thanks so much for listening. 